Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Economist. In London, this is The Economist with Tasting Menu, a selection of the tastiest morsels from this week's issue. I'm Anne McElvoy, senior editor and host of Economist Radio. And on the menu this week, some snippets overheard on America's presidential campaign trail. Running clubs take off in Cairo and a group of genetic superheroes emerges, though their identity remains a mystery. But first, beautiful minds wasted was our cover line this week. Autism has endured a tumultuous journey through years of social and scientific evolution. In America, it's currently estimated that one child in 68 is autistic to some degree, yet the potential of these often highly intelligent people is being squandered. Our cover story advised ways we might change that. Autism is a brain condition associated with poor social skills. It has a wide spectrum of symptoms, from obsessive behaviour to hypersensitivity to sound, light or other sensory stimulation, the severity of which ranges from mild to life-blighting. But as a condition, autism defies simple generalisations. Except one. The potential of far too many autistic people is being squandered. Although around half of those with autism are of average intelligence or above, they do far worse than they should at school and at work. Globally, the United Nations reckons that 80% of those with autism are not in the workforce. This idleness wastes potential, both economic and personal. The high-functioning among them tend to be deft analysts. They can spot patterns or errors in data that are invisible to most non-autistics, making them attractive employees for software firms. And our cover story urged greater investment in research. Britain's government spends a trivial four million pounds. That's $5.6 million a year. America shells out around $200 million a year, about what it costs to look after 100 severely autistic people for a lifetime. Such sums are dwarfed by the opportunity cost of having so many potentially productive people dependent on others. Beautiful or otherwise, an autistic mind is a terrible thing to waste. From the recognition of beautiful minds, we move to the cultivation of healthy bodies, with our Middle East and Africa section reporting on an unlikely fitness craze in Egypt. Even though most of the country is loath to exercise, running clubs are popping up in the streets of Cairo. In recent years, Egyptians have gathered in public spaces to pursue such lofty goals as democracy and social justice. Yet in between such virtuous struggles, everyday pursuits do have their place. I was a bit fat says Ibrahim Safwat, who regularly leads thousands of Egyptians into the streets. Mr Safwat is the head of Cairo Runners, which gathers on Friday mornings before the city perks up and goes to mosque. Cairo may not sound like the ideal spot for a jog. Broken pavements, potholed roads and snarling traffic make even walking hazardous. Green space is sorely lacking. 
Dirty air, extreme heat and the threat of harassment complete the unwelcoming picture. Yet these intrepid athletes are unfazed. There is safety in numbers and the sight is becoming more common. Cairo Runners has given birth to a running culture and not just in the capital. Dirty air or not, many savour a brief escape to normality. We wanted something in the streets that had nothing to do with the political stuff, says Ayman Geme, a co-founder. Our Asia section also praised those who were bold enough to go where no others would tread. As an article reported, Japan's media scene is beginning to look a little topsy-turvy as scurrilous weekly tabloids take on hard-hitting stories while the dailies settle into the background. A lively brew of tabloid-style sensationalism, erudite literary commentary and exposés of figures ranging from pop idols to politicians, Japan's tabloid weekly magazines, or shukanshi, defy categorization. Even if they can't be neatly put into a box, they do seem to be thinking outside one. Their scoops ought to shame the big television channels and newspapers, which pull their punches when reporting on the establishment, of which they are firmly part. And these flashy weeklies resonate with an earlier publishing tradition in Japan. Towards the end of the Edo period, 1603 to 1867, comic books full of gossip and political satire flourished. Written largely in the vernacular, they stirred up controversy so successfully that the censors stepped in. Some worry, though, that the gossip and trivia may dilute important messages. Rather than reading about how the political system is failing to deal with growing inequalities in the labour market, for instance, Shukanshi devotees prefer the story about the severely handicapped married celebrity author with political aspirations and five lovers. Well, there's a hard standard to match. Flipping over to our business section now, an article there worried less about holding power to account and focused on harnessing it from the sun, distributing power and changing the face of the energy industry for good. Yes, it's power of the solar variety, and we explored how it's reshaping energy production across the developing world. Riyad Kader, a Jordanian driver, has an alarming habit of thumbing his mobile phone while at the wheel. Though he is searching for something crucial. After scrolling back through almost two years of photos, he finds a picture that tickles him, of camels against a sandy backdrop. Today, in that same spot in South Jordan, the finishing touches are being put to a five-kilometre field of solar panels. The 160-megawatt, or MW, solar park, which is scheduled to open this summer, will mark the launch of Jordan's effort to reduce its fossil fuel imports, which generated 96% of its energy last year and cost about 10% of GDP. And solar seems to be the energy a la mode across the developing world. In 2015, China surged past Germany to become the biggest producer of solar energy, benefiting from its dominance of solar panel manufacturing and policies to reduce dependence on dirtier fuels, such as coal. And there could be still unforeseen benefits to a greener future. King Abdullah has ordered solar panels to be installed on palaces and mosques, businessmen say. His most senior ministers drive Tesla electric vehicles. With more solar energy, the economic future of Jordan would be brighter and the country less at risk in a volatile region. All it needs is for the sun to energise its bureaucrats. Over in our finance section, we report that Italy is once again trying to energise its banking system, or at least just stabilise it. Italian bank shares have lost 31% on average since the start of this year, so a new fund has been set up to prevent a possible plunge. 
In classical mythology, Atlas was the god condemned to hold up the sky for all eternity. And in times of uncertainty and financial woe, many turn to their chosen god for stability. In Italy on April 11th, a clutch of banks and other financial institutions agreed to create a fund called Atlante, Atlas in Italian, to bail out troubled rivals and thus allay fears of a systemic crisis in Italian banking. We doubted the scheme would live up to its superhuman billing. Italy's long recession, only now abating, has taken its toll, leaving 360 billion euros, that's 405 billion dollars, of bad debts. And bad debts often go hand in hand with bad habits. Italy's banks have long indulged in the pernicious habit of selling their riskiest debt to their own customers. Retail investors hold around half their 67 billion euros of subordinated bonds. Sounds more like a challenge for Sisyphus to me. We move now to our science section, where some real superhuman abilities may have been discovered. Sadly, not flight nor invisibility just yet, but as an article described, a small number of individuals have been found who seem perfectly healthy, despite carrying potentially fatal mutations in their DNA. The 13 adults identified were found to have faulty genes associated with one of eight different inherited conditions. These included cystic fibrosis, a disease that interferes with breathing, and a telosteogenesis, which affects bone and limb development. The tenacious 13, perhaps, but what was their secret? Unfortunately, only partial DNA sequences were available for the 13. Ideally, the next step would be to sequence these individuals' entire genomes to discover why they were able to carry, with seemingly no ill effects, mutations that are deadly in others. Any genes thought to give protection could then be spliced into diseased cells to test their effects. Such work might provide a step towards the discovery of new treatments. Frustratingly, the researchers could not do that because the consent forms used by the subjects did not provide permission for them to be recontacted. You can read more on that study in our coverage. We finish now with some snippets from America's presidential campaign. Each week, our United States section publishes some humorous tidbits heard on the trail, and we've picked a few of the finest for you. We start with Senator Lindsey Graham reassuring Middle Eastern leaders about the chance of a Trump presidency. I told them, just hang in there. This is the silly season. It will pass. While campaigning in New York, Ted Cruz seemed to be backtracking at least a bit on some sneering comments about New York values. I didn't mean to attack people in New York. I love New York. Do tweet us any of your favourite overheards from the campaign trail and I'll try to include a couple in our upcoming shows. Finally, the Republican Party spokesman Sean Spicer does seem to have absorbed the rhetorical style of the leading candidate. We're going to have, you know, the most secure and best convention that will be put on. I just got back from Cleveland. The preparation is unbelievable. The city is excited. It's going to be phenomenal. And who knows, it may make Cleveland great again too. I'm Anne McElvoy and that was our tasting menu. If you're hungry for a little more, you can find all of our stories on our website at economist.com. In London, this is The Economist. The Economist.